Tiki Hut Media. From Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida, this is Soul Ramblings, and I'm your host, Jerry Wicker, the minister at Manatee Life Church. Today, on today's episode, we continue with our series, Apostles' Creed, Truths That Unite. Today, we look at the phrase, I believe in the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about the move of the Holy Spirit and revival. That's coming up. We'll head over to the sanctuary and talk about that. And we are now in the Lenten season, and I encourage all of us to do something that maybe you haven't done before. Recently, I had a friend tell me about a new restaurant they went to here in town. They loved it and made sure I knew how good it was. At the end of the conversation, they casually said, you really should check it out. If you read a really good book, it's natural to tell people about it. You may end up even saying, if you ever want to read it, you can borrow it from me. I've done that. If you watch a great movie or find something really great on Netflix or find a new band that you love, it's normal to talk about it and to invite others to watch or listen as well. Invitation is an outgrowth of experiencing something meaningful, interesting, or compelling. And Jesus asked his first followers to be people who shared what he offered with others. And what is it that Jesus offers? Well, Jesus offered some people healing, others hope, and others forgiveness. Jesus challenged certain people to take risks and forgave people who made mistakes. Jesus helped people make difficult decisions and reconcile relationships that had been strained. Jesus offered purpose to those who were searching and direction for those who were wandering. Jesus changed the lives of so many, and his charge was simple. Don't keep it in. Share what you have experienced with others. Sometimes we think that talking about faith means trying to evangelize others or trying to convince them to believe or do something. But that's not what Jesus asks us to do. Instead, if Jesus has changed your life in some way, if church has been meaningful to you, then Jesus simply asks us to be willing to share that. All of us know people who are searching for answers, dealing with family drama, trying to make a difficult choice, living with the consequences of a mistake, wondering how to be a better parent or struggling in a relationship or marriage. All of us know people who have grown complacent or looking for a new start or who feel isolated and lonely. We know people who are dealing with so much. Sometimes the most powerful word we can offer is a simple invitation to come and experience church to come and hear a message that might offer direction, healing, or make sense of the confusion, to come and experience community with others, forgiveness for mistakes, or inspiration for a new step. So, during this season of Lent, I encourage you to try something that maybe you haven't done before. Invite somebody to join you for worship. That simple gesture could be the new beginning someone in your life is looking for. Let's head over to the sanctuary. Our scripture reading for the morning comes to us from Acts chapter 10, starting with the 34th verse. Hear these holy words. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. 
You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. O Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. We are continuing our weekly engagement with the central truths that are found in the Apostles' Creed that we recite each and every week during our corporate worship. These are truths that were affirmed from the earliest records we have of the earthly, following the earthly ministry of Jesus from those that followed him. And as we noted when we began our series, these truths are truths that have the power to center us, to form us, and to unite us. The creed began with, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. It continues with, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And then there are attributes about Jesus following that. We've gone over those over these past three weeks. Today, we've come to the next declaration. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit has always been there. As a matter of fact, first mention of the Holy Spirit is in Genesis chapter 1, the second verse, when the scripture talks about how the earth was formless, but the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Some translations say the breath of God. The Spirit of God. As we will see at the end of May when Pentecost Sunday arrives, of course we all know the story of how the Holy Spirit birthed the church, if you will, the church's birthday on Pentecost and arrived with the tongues of fire and we'll go over all of that on Pentecost Sunday. But today, there's another example of the Holy Spirit showing up and the Holy Spirit at work. We've got Cornelius, who is a, Ro a Roman soldier in Acts chapter 10. He's a Roman officer. He's a Gentile. He's part of the occupation, the Roman occupation of the Jews. 
And therefore, Peter considered him and his kind to be his enemy, his oppressor. Something interesting happens, though, if we were to go back to the beginning of chapter 10 in Acts. You see Cornelius praying to God. And an angel appeared to him and told him to send for Peter. And he did that. And what's going on at the same time is Peter is having a vision, some call it a dream, of a sheet coming down from heaven. And there's all kinds of, Scripture tells us, four-legged creatures, reptiles, and birds. And there's a voice that tells Peter, eat, kill, and eat. And Peter said, oh, I've never eaten anything profane or unclean. And the voice says, what God calls clean, you are not to call profane. This happens three more times, or a total of three times, rather. And Peter really didn't know what to make of all that. And then he gets this invitation to go to Cornelius' house. Now, Scripture doesn't say this, so this is my own commentary. I know if I was in Peter's shoes, I would say, you've got to be out of your mind. There's no way I'm going to that guy's house. There's no way. But Peter went. And when he got there, he said, he said this, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visiting. But God has shown me, this is the, this is where Peter has this epiphany about his vision. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Cornelius is a pretty interesting guy. He was a high officer in the Roman army. He was sent to govern these troublesome people in Palestine. But Cornelius actually had adopted the religion of the people he was sent to govern. And he practiced that religion quite devoutly because remember, at the beginning of chapter 10, he was praying. He was praying. Now, he had probably been raised in the Roman version of the Greek religion, which had many gods and goddesses. And interestingly enough, these gods and goddesses that they supposedly worshipped were, they had some human failings, each one of them did. And they could be manipulated if a person knew how to do it. So really not gods at all. But that's where he grew up. He was a participant in a power structure that he knew was oppressive to people, and even himself. He must have found something attractive about a religion committed to the worship of one God who made the heavens and the earth and who was committed to justice for all. But there seems to be something missing from Cornelius's life. Now, I'm sure he heard about Jesus, and he must have felt a deeper sadness than most people because he's conflicted 
he had to participate in the execution of many innocent people as part of his position. But yet, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, God was wooing him through the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure Cornelius had a lot of struggles with this. Had some feelings of guilt. There must have been a deep yearning for some way to experience peace. And haven't we all at one time or another, maybe right now, had that same yearning for peace? I know I do after the news this week. At any rate, God through the Holy Spirit was trying to get through to Cornelius. And God through the Holy Spirit is trying to get through to us as well. I received a text week before last out of the blue from someone in this room. And the text said, we need to have a good old-fashioned revival at the church. I agreed with them. The very next day, I read, and you probably have too, several of you have come up to me this morning and asked me if I've heard about this. And I said, hang on, it's in the sermon. If you haven't heard about this, I want to tell you about what God is up to right now in Kentucky. A revival for the first time in decades. It's not the first one, but it's been a while since there's been one. It's going on in a small town, small college town in Kentucky, eastern Kentucky. This is not a planned revival. This is not something that a local church has got planned and lined out with a bunch of guest evangelists and a rock and roll praise band and a light show coming up this summer. No, no. This is a true, real revival, and here's why I believe that. This happened on Wednesday, February 8th. A speaker at a chapel service at Asbury University in Kentucky, it was just a normally scheduled chapel service. The students are required to attend so many chapel services throughout the semester. They probably went in with the attitude of, i got to go to another chapel service. But this particular speaker gave a powerful message about love and repentance. And something interesting happened. Many students were deeply affected by it. About 30 or so kept the meeting going after it was scheduled to end. And from there, the Holy Spirit began to move. More and more students came back to the service, and by nightfall, the massive auditorium was packed. The meeting continued literally without stopping for days. The last I heard, as of Friday, it was still going on. I'm not sure about this weekend, but as of Friday, it was still going on. Not an open seat in the place. People are literally standing in the hallways, outside the door. They're trying to get in. A local professor was quoted of how he walked over to check out what was going on, and for the first 10 minutes or so, he was struck so by the presence of the Holy Spirit that he wasn't even sure what was happening. But 
he felt he could just stay there the rest of his life. Now, I've read a lot about revivals. I've read a lot of books on revivals. I can tell you one thing. What's happening in Asbury is what they look like. What's happening in Asbury University is what they look like. The service is quite simple. There's no flashing lights, no gimmicks, just testimonies, God's word, prayer, repentance, and worship. A lot of the time, they don't even have a band playing. Somebody will just start singing a song, and it catches on. And the whole place starts singing. And the people are worshiping. It's true revival. They are being revived. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we too can be revived. Revived from what? Revived means something is dying or dead. We can be revived out of death. The death of the here and the now. The death of eternity. You remember the parable Jesus told of the lost coin and the parable of the lost sheep? You remember those two parables? Jesus told those parables to let us know what God is like. God is likened to a woman who has ten silver coins. That represents us, those ten silver coins, but loses one. She desperately searches for that one precious lost coin until she finds it. And then when she finds it, She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. Revival. Revival. God is also likened, Jesus told the parable, uh, to a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. Again, representing us. He loses one. So he goes out to find that sheep. He finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, goes home, and celebrates revival. Revival. Isn't it fantastic to know that we, you and me, we are that important to the God who created everything. Everything. He created everything. And we are that important to Him. He loves us that much. Well, the same God who once came among us in the invisible, or in the visible form, rather, of Jesus Christ, is still available to us in what Jesus promised, the advocate. He would not leave us alone. He said at the end of Matthew's gospel, surely I am with you always to the very end of age, of the age. He's with us through the Holy Spirit inside us. God's Holy Spirit. He's still among us. This is the way God's grace works. He just plain loves us. He plain loves us. And there is nothing we can do on our own to earn it or deserve it. He loves us. And of course, there is no real life apart from God's love. As human beings, we all have basic needs. We all need to be loved. We all need to belong. And we need to feel as if we are important. Well, We all need to feel that way. How can we know these things? How can we know we are loved? How can we know we belong? How can we feel as if we are important? 
God is trying to tell us these things. God is trying to get through to us. And the only way we'll ever find what we need is by letting God revive us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, it can happen right here in church. It can. But once we leave, we don't need to tune out what God is doing in our lives because God is everywhere. His Holy Spirit is everywhere. It's out there too. God is in the church building, but God is everywhere. Don't get me wrong. Remember what you hear in church, at Bible study, Sunday school, through your own private reading of Scripture. Remember that. Absolutely. Take that in. Keep watching, though, to see if any of those things will give you a new way of understanding the things that happen to you in your daily life. We had men's group yesterday morning. We got together and had a wonderful breakfast. It was a delicious breakfast. We got to talking about this very thing, about how God works in our everyday lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And someone said, and it's just an everyday thing, someone said, you know, I'm a pretty honest guy. I was at an ATM, and it was one of those drive-up ATMs. And noticed where you get your cash from the ATM, there was a $50 bill laying there. Now, he's an honest guy. He was probably going to do it anyway. But it was just that instant. Turn that, turn that in. Whoever the car was in front of him had mistakenly draw, driven off and left it. So he took it into the bank. And he said, whoever was in front of me or something, this was in the, this was in the ATM. And so I took it inside. He said, the bank employee kind of looked surprised. I said, well, yeah, the natural inclination, our natural human inclination is, I just got myself 50 bucks. Uh, but, uh, I know we're in church, don't, don't, I, I would, it'd be my first thought. I just got me 50 bucks. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit prompts us and nudges us. No, no. You are set apart. You are different. So he obeyed that nudge. He took it in. That's the Holy Spirit at work. We can't do any of this without the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. I'm not that smart. God really is with us at all times. And God really is trying to revive us through all the experiences in our daily lives, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who knows? God may finally get through to you as you drive to work, you drive to the grocery store. Once you're inside the grocery store, and if you're like me, you need to be praying inside the grocery store. I pray a lot in there. Washing the dishes, taking out the trash, be open to what the Holy Spirit is doing around you and in you and through you. 
as you go out throughout your day. Just stay open to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when you find yourself experiencing the reality of God, even if it's just a little bit, stop and pay attention. God's trying to get through to you. He's trying to get through to you. We all need to remember that nothing is more important than getting in touch and staying in touch with the living God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to your experience of God and move it to the center of your life. And pretty soon, you'll find yourself living a new kind of life that is shaped by your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then, live this new life openly and without shame. Live it joyfully. And you will experience revival. And because you are experiencing revival, I'll experience revival. She'll experience revival, and it'll spread. It'll spread, just like it did at Asbury University. It'll spread. When people ask you what shapes your life, why'd you turn in that $50 instead of putting that in your pocket? Here's your open door to talk about Jesus and the difference he's made in your life. Share what you've discovered. You might just be the one through whom God will be able to get through to some other folk. Just like Peter was the person of all people to get through to Cornelius. Not only Cornelius, but his entire household. Because the next verse after Our scripture passage this morning, verse 44, says this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Peter saying there is no longer anybody unclean that God says is clean. There's nobody impure or profane. In God's economy. That's what Peter is saying to him. And the Holy Spirit fell on the whole household. Everybody there. Revival. Is that not revival? You know, it's, it's one thing to, and I, I'm thankful for technology. It's one thing to interact with my grandchildren on a video call. I love the ability to be able to do that. But it is something entirely different to be with them in the same room, watching them play, playing with them, hearing them scream and laugh and play and do what kids do. It's one thing for someone to tell me they're praying for me, but it's quite another thing when they grab my hand and they pray with me. It's one thing to believe in God, talk about God, and even do things in God's name. It's a whole different thing to actually experience God's presence. God's presence. Now, I have spent quite a bit of time over the past week and a half watching what's been going on in Asbury. There have been those who have questioned, is this really a revival? 
Is it an awakening? Is it the presence of God or is it something else? I don't know. I'm not sure anyone really knows. But I do know this. The focus is squarely on Jesus. That's where the focus has got to be. If the focus of a revival is to get people to come through the doors of the church and fill the pew for a couple of nights during the week, we got the wrong focus. The focus needs to be on Jesus. It started, and it is continuing, with undergraduate students. These are not seminarians. They're not church leaders. There's no hype. There's just simple singing. And the songs aren't even prepared for or rehearsed. I know that gives Ray, that gets him all nervous when a choir has not rehearsed. But they've not rehearsed, they just break out in song. There are no celebrity preachers, there's no bishops. However, they do have wise people that are protecting it from being used by people for their own needs. I heard a story this morning that a major network had asked to come on campus there and interview some folks and have some people on, give it some publicity. They were turned down. They were turned down. They don't want that. They're not looking for the hype of the publicity. And the amazing thing is they're getting it anyway. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's filled with confession and repentance, with healing and reconciliation. And those that are there are describing it as a joyful, peaceful presence of the Holy Spirit that is transforming people from the inside out. Is that not what we need? Is that not what we need? Now, today is, we haven't mentioned it too much this morning, but today is Transfiguration Sunday. And Transfiguration is when Jesus took a few of the disciples up on the mountain, and he's transfigured before them. And one of the, I've always related to Peter, I don't know why, but especially when Jesus was here on earth, Peter in the midst of this awesome sight and what's happening on this mountaintop experience, he said, Oh, Jesus, we need to build a temple. We need to build, we need to build sanctuaries. We need to build statue. We need to have things here to mark this. This is great. This is awesome. And I'm paraphrasing here, but Jesus is like, calm down, Peter. <laughs> That's not why we're here. That's not why we're here. They experienced the true presence of God through Jesus Christ on that mountaintop experience. A revival, when a revival happens, it's like that mountaintop experience. And that's what those people are experiencing right now. And if you watch some of the video, it's available on YouTube, and there are several places you can watch video, video footage of what's happening there. They are experiencing that mountaintop experience. But on transfiguration, at the transfiguration, when Jesus and the disciples are coming down the mountain, the mountaintop experience is over. They're coming down. They're singing hymns, but they're coming back down into the 
world of worry, and work, and troubles. The situations down here didn't change. They changed as a result of the revival. And therefore, they can infect and pass that on to others with change from what's happened in their heart. So I don't know how long this is going to go on or what the ultimate outcome will be. I don't yet have all the answers to all the important questions that have to be asked and answered. And to be honest with you, I'm not even sure I know the questions. Right now, all I can say is I think it's enough for us to let the Holy Spirit move. Let the Holy Spirit move. We need to celebrate what is happening. To give God praise, honor, and glory. And be grateful that hungry people are experiencing the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Because that's something I need. You need. This church needs. And this world needs. Right now more than ever. So let me ask you. For a revival, to go back to the text I got, we need to have a good old-fashioned revival at the church. Will it start here this morning? Will it start with you? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you because you are a good God. Your word says that when Jesus ascended to heaven, you didn't leave us alone, but you sent us the Holy Spirit as our helper and comforter. And we thank you because you are always here with us. May we feel your presence. We are glad that we can always come to you for comfort, counsel, and reassurance that God our Father is always here with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And as we continue in this attitude of prayer, I would invite anyone. I'll be down at the front. You're free to, I'll be happy to pray with you. Or you can pray at the altar alone. As we unite together, and asking the Holy, for the Holy Spirit's presence, not only in this church, but in our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Are you sensing it? Have you got an inkling? I know I have. I want... I need a good old-fashioned revival here at the church. Will you join me? Will you join me in seeking the Holy Spirit? We're not going to hold planning meetings. We're not going to get a big-name preacher to come in. We're going to ask for the presence of one. 
I pray for the Holy Spirit to come on all of us and revive us again, O oh Lord. Amen? Amen? And so now receive this benediction. God bless you. Have a great week. Walk with Jesus Christ and tell somebody about Manatee Life Church. Go in peace. Amen. And we are praying for revival at Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida. We have a link to the church in the show notes of this episode. We are praying for revival. We are praying for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And we hope that you do too in your local community, wherever you may be. And wherever you may be, be sure to contact us. We have a Facebook page. And we're also on Instagram, and we'll have links to those in the show notes as well where you can contact us. You can always shoot us an email, soulramblingspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and hear how the Holy Spirit is moving in you and your community. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. And wherever you're listening, whether you're listening on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, wherever you're listening, Right now, if you would click subscribe, that way you won't miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. Next week, we'll wrap up our series. It's been like, well, next week, it'll make an eight-week series on the Apostles' Creed, Truths That Unite. And before we scoot out the door today, here is a last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. From Manatee Life Church in Bradenton, Florida, I'm Jerry Wicker. Have yourself a great week, grace, and peace. for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production. Mm-hmm.